Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 154. Okay. (laughs) All right. I just finished reading Why Liberalism Failed by Patrick Deenan. And, you know, as a liberal, it's it's a hard book to read. But, (laughs) the fulcrum of the but, it's pretty devastating. And... And I think his overall point is that liberalism failed by succeeding, by succeeding. And the ultimate result of liberalism's triumph is the death of liberty. It's the death of freedom. Now, that's a very counterintuitive idea, especially to me. At a high level, he says what happens is the state enforces the atomization of people in in the name of freedom. Liberalism acts as a universal solvent. And he sort of divides this effect, this atomizing, isolating effect, into three buckets. Okay, so he talks about the social sphere, and he talks about the economic sphere, and then he talks about science or or technology. And, you know, there's sort of themes that run across all three, but at least for me, it was helpful to think about it in those three buckets. So let's take the social realm for a second, okay? He says that the state goes out and it destroys all the ties that bind. <laughs> and And what I think he means by that is the state tries to destroy the family, it tries to destroy religion, it tries to destroy local community, and it doesn't just destroy those things, it replaces them. It replaces them. So he says you sort of have this, again, very counterintuitive idea where the state gets stronger and the individualism is promoted. But it's an individualism without support. It's an individualism without these ties that bind. It's just floating in space. Now, liberalism is very optimistic about this individual floating in space. Liberalism believes that it can create itself. It can forge its own identity. It can forge its own path. And to do this, the state gives the individual rights, In fact, it goes even further. It says any attempt to hold down the individual, any attempt to put restrictions on the individual are tyranny, (laughs) right? So even something as simple as commitment to a relationship is a form of tyranny. Even trying to develop self-control is a form of tyranny. What I think he's saying is is that in the modern world, liberalism, or these days progressivism, takes all of these institutions, these grounding institutions, again, family, religion, community, and and these things in the past acted as, I guess, what I call moral scaffolding, <laughs> right? They're sort of the training wheels of, of how to act in society. And the state eliminates all of these, and in a sense, it even replaces God with the state, it assigns ultimate responsibility to the state. Now, the second sphere was the economic sphere. And here, again, you know, his thesis is somewhat similar. He says liberalism ensures that all constraints are lifted to just absolute free trade, let's say. So 
There's no more unions, right? Liberalism is very anti-union. There are no tariffs. There are no borders. And, and the result is this perfect globalization. Liberalism smooths down the map, the economic map. There are no more mountains or valleys or rivers. It's just a flat plain. It's very homogeneous and, <laughs> you know, everywhere sort of equally dull. But the good side of this is that things are efficient. You can easily move a factory to where there's the lowest cost of labor, or there's the cheapest electricity, or frankly, there's the worst labor standards. But now, with all of these local idiosyncrasies removed, with everything connected, you get a situation like we saw in 2020, which is the fragility of globalism, where if anything goes wrong, the ripple effects run the risk of taking down the whole system. And you can see the parallel here, I think, where he's saying in the social realm, the liberal or the liberal progressive is replacing God with the state. In, in the economic realm, it's replacing God with the free market. And it's sort of assuming that whatever the free market does has to be right. Now, he goes a step further in the economic realm. And here he's talking about meritocracy. And again, meritocracy is a very liberal idea. You know, here, Deenan actually starts to sound like a social justice warrior. It's very interesting. Okay, he's obviously very conservative, but he's making, or he's starting at least, with some of the same foundational ideas, where he's saying meritocracy is not a true meritocracy. Okay, it's based in privilege. It's based in in the privilege of, of intelligence, which is, you know, that's not earned, that's genetic. The privilege of conscientiousness, which again is not something you decide to have. He talks about the privilege of having a stable family. And he says that liberalism looks at these things and it assigns virtue to them, even though they're not something that you go out and decide to have. So what I think he's saying is that liberal meritocracy sets up this arena that claims to be fair, but it's not really. The result is a very stratified class system with little true opportunity, because the people at the top are going to benefit from these innate inherited characteristics, and they're going to make sure to have a stable family structure, and they're going to go out and use their privilege to create barriers to entry for anyone below them. And this is exactly what I think we see. We see this uh, credentialism, and we see the language or the jargon of the elite, which you have to know to sort of get your foot in the door. And today, even, you could argue that wokeism is a form of this jargon. It's a, it's a very technical, sort of abstruse language that is taught at very elite institutions, and it's sort of a signaling mechanism that you deserve to be at the top. And again, it's actually framed as virtue when it's simply a barrier to entry, when it's simply a barrier set up by the ruling class. There's limited, genuine opportunity. Now, ironically, we have an elite that is based in credentialism, that is based in innate characteristics, but at the same time, it feels very unstable, right? The elite feel more insecure today than ever because there's too many people trying to sit in too few chairs at that table. And the result is obedience and groupthink. They're terrified of falling out of the elite and down among the, <laughs> the hoi polloi, I guess. And so they're terrified of speaking out and they feel they can't push back against the system 
or the system will just replace them, right? Even the elite in, in a liberal globalist economy are very fungible. They're very replaceable. Okay, and finally, the third realm he discusses is, ah, for lack of a better term, I'm just going to say science. But what he's saying is that liberalism tries to master nature. It tries to control nature rather than respect it, rather than going along with nature, rather than obeying nature. Here, liberalism is, again, trying to replace God. And, you know, I've expressed my skepticism before that we can actually play God in the realm of science. And I look at things like monocropping or GMOs or fake meat or, or the social idea of the blank slate. And I say those things are negative. Those things just aren't going to work because nature is going to push back. Here's how I see the attempt to play God in the science realm. Okay, you have a problem, let's say, and, and science comes along and it comes up with a technology to solve the problem. And everyone's happy for a little bit. And then this new problem emerges that was caused by the technology that was used to solve the old problem. But the techno-utopians say, no problem, we're going to use technology to solve that problem. And they do. But then the whole cycle repeats. Anyway, those are the three spheres he discusses. Okay, so just to close, he has two final points, okay? And the first one, I think, is really important. He says, essentially, in all three domains, social, economic, and science, what liberalism does, it replaces the local with the distant. It replaces the, the concrete with the abstract. It replaces something that you can touch and see and control with, with the uncontrollable, with the unaccountable. His final point ties into this, because if you have a system that is distant and unknowable and unaccountable, well, there's no feedback mechanism, okay? And that's really important. It's very hard to change the state or, or the market or a distant science, let's say. You just have to obey. And so liberalism in the name of providing freedom and opportunity, actually makes you a slave. You become a slave to the state. You become a slave to the free market. You become a slave to what science, in quotes, <laughs> says. And worst, you become a slave to your worst self. You become a slave to your desires. You become a slave to your short-term impulses because you've never developed discipline. You've never developed self-control. Wow. Okay, there's a lot there. And I, for one, am still trying to process it. So if anyone has any thoughts or ideas or feedback, I'd love to hear it. That's all I've got. I'll catch you next week.